Hello everybody, I'm Chloe Maidley and welcome back to the podcast. On this podcast, I speak to professional athletes, coaches, physique competitors, dietitians, nutritionists, and leaders in the field of health and fitness from all over the world. Thank you so much for joining me and I hope you enjoy today's episode. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you like, subscribe, review, and leave a comment to let others know about everything we've talked about. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram where I'll announce what's coming up on the podcast and other great content too. I'm at Maidly Chloe. Thank you so much. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast coming all the way to you from Dubai. Today's episode is a kind of solo one again, but it's also not really because I actually asked you guys to submit any and all questions that you might have regarding your physique goals. A physique goal, just to clarify, essentially encompasses anything and everything regarding body recomp. So muscle building, fat loss, obviously within that, calories in, calories out, macros, muscle protein synthesis, supplementation and everything in between. You guys sent me over 40 questions on my stories and over 20 on my standalone post before the stories expired. And they were all fantastic. I mean, genuinely, I was like quite relieved because it's quite a mixed bag. You never know what you're going to get. But they were there were some brilliant questions in there that I whittled it down to 30 in total because some of them were very similar, near identical even, and others were just plain weird. You know who you are. So now I'm going to try my best to get through them all, but that's just not going to happen. I'll I'll be honest. I'll probably only get through a handful if I'm going to keep to my staunch shorter podcast, a better podcast rule. You've probably noticed that my podcasts never exceed an hour. That's very intentional. I don't like it when they do. I can, sometimes when I listen to podcasts, I'm like, get to the point. I'm only going to be in the car for half an hour. And I don't like coming back and re-listening to them, you know, three or four trips on the trot. So to be honest, I'll probably do a handful today. And I might even do a follow-up episode or even follow-up episodes with the remainder of the questions if you guys like this one. So please, as always, keep posting, tagging me stories or sliding into my DMs and giving me your feedback because it's really appreciated and it's actually really helpful. Let's get going. Question one, Rachel, what is the best form of protein that isn't meat? Good question, Rachel. There's loads. So um, let's just start with vegetarian. Whey protein is uh, probably in terms of a physique goal, your best bet for a physique goal specifically, um, because it has such a high leucine content. Um, It's very fast digesting. It's just a great, it's a great supplement and a great source of protein. Um, So whey protein. Shortly behind that also casein, which is, you know, the same for the same reasons, but it's actually slow release. Um, which means it could be really beneficial at night. Let's say, again, this is all in the context of physique goals. So bear that in mind, because if this was under another topic, I might not be saying the same thing. Let's say if you were to train at night and then you get home and it's 10 o'clock and you don't want to cook a meal or have dinner, having maybe like a whey casein kind of blend would be really good. Okay, and then after kind of the supplements, and again, staying on the vegetarian meat alternative bandwagon, Greek yogurt, 0% Greek yogurt specifically, it's very low in fat, 
very high in protein, again, a complete protein. So that's fantastic if you are a vegetarian. And then eggs and egg whites. I mean, they are just so rich in nutrients. In terms of the the whole egg, you know, when you get the yolk, obviously you get the essential fatty acid, which is incredible, you know, alongside the, the egg white, which is the protein part that comes with it um but if you wanted to just do egg whites that that's the protein source they're incredibly low calorie and a great source of protein and then we can move on to vegan alternatives which are fewer and farther between and i know that there's a lot of vegan campaigners out there talking about broccoli and nuts and things guys those aren't essential amino acids and although you can have a combined approach to a plant-based diet which will hit your essential amino acids and you're talking things there like um whole grains and nuts for example you're going to see your calories spike because your fats and your carbs are going to spike and and in comparison to the kind of protein hit you're going to get it's not it's not the the best approach to be honest so if you're a vegan going for like soy, tofu, that is a complete protein, as in it contains all the essential amino acids and it's 100% plant-based. So if you're looking for um, a vegan protein powder, I'll always recommend soy over pea or anything else. Obviously corn, corn, not sweet corn, corn (laughs) is a mycoprotein. That's a complete source of protein. And they have both vegetarian products and um, vegan products. So really there is a lot to choose from. It's a myth that you can't be a vegan or a vegetarian and get your protein in. Of course you can. It's very easy if you're a vegetarian and it's very hard if you're a vegan, but it's 100% doable. And there are incredible bodybuilders and athletes who are, as everybody saw in the God Awful documentary, The Game Changers. (laughs) Sorry. But as everybody saw, it's absolutely possible to be a professional athlete be it physical performance and be animal free so yes bear that in mind okay question two katie if you have a real physique goal how long does it actually take to get in great shape in quotation marks okay so i hate to give you a really annoying ambiguous answer but it depends It depends on what your start point is when you decide, okay, I'm going to get the body of, you know, X. I don't know. I don't know what kind of physique you're looking for, but it really depends where you're starting from. How much muscle mass do you have right from the off? Because that's going to make a huge difference in how long it'll take. How much body fat do you have right from the off? Because that's going to make a huge difference in how long it takes. Let's just say I had an average female, um, and I say female, Katie, because obviously you're a female, who came to me complete blank canvas and said, I want to look like, I don't know, Angelica Teixeira, who is an amazing Olympian. How do I do this? And, and let's just say that this person is a robot and will do everything I tell them to do. And again, just to clarify, even I, especially at this stage in my career, or oh, not career, that's the wrong term, life, um, probably wouldn't, definitely wouldn't have the um, the drive or the inclination anymore to do this. But let's just say that, you know, you were, you were deadly serious. I would probably have you building muscle for at least a year, if not two. And that would be targeted training sessions, week in, week out, training your body evenly, making sure that we were getting the right amount of volume per week, which would probably have to increase by year. Well, definitely not in the first year, maybe not even in the second year, although maybe training your body evenly and really focusing on growing calories, protein. Then ideally, again, like I say, after let's just say two years to hedge our bets, I'd be like, right, let's do a cut. And this is for a really advanced physique goal, okay? 
And, and that's where we would start to pull your calories, calories in via food or increase your expenditure, calories out via movement. That could be via steps. Like I could give you a weekly step uh, average to hit uh, that would potentially start to climb. Potentially, I could give you calories in, which will start to lower than what you'd been on. I could give you cardio, which again, is just increased expenditure. We just, we'd figure out how, how you could do it. And to be honest, if you'd been building muscle and you, your diet had been bang on point at that, at that stage, we could probably, you know, get you shredded in 12 to 20 weeks. That wouldn't be the hard part. It's the building muscle that really takes time. It's the understanding that in order for that to happen, you have to be so consistent. I mean, you can take deload weeks, absolutely. You can have diet breaks, you can have untracked meals, all of these things you can do. But I'm talking big picture, you have to be consistent. You have to be patient. It's just not gonna happen in a matter of months. It's just not. And then, you know, we're talking about how long is it gonna take to maintain that physique? This is why I'm a really big fan of reverse dieting. And, you know, Emma, for example, one of my coaching partners, she's not really a fan of reverse dieting at all. And there are loads of amazing coaches out there who aren't. I wouldn't have a client do it any other way if they had long-term physique goal in, in mind. I just wouldn't. It's um, it's a shit show. It's hard enough as it is. If you don't revise that, you know, your clients properly, if they have that long-term physique goal, they can throw it all out the window within three months. What's the point? Yeah, the, the kind of the journey into maintenance is probably the hardest part to, of the whole thing, if I'm going to be honest. After everything I've mentioned, it, it's a real head fuck. It takes a lot, a lot of hard work. Hi guys, just a quick one. Adverts on the podcast are automated and we have no idea what may or may not play out, much like whatever pops up when you're browsing on the internet. This is an unsponsored podcast, but if I am ever plugging a product, you will know about it. Okay, question three, M's. I have very long, lean limbs, and I'm really struggling to be able to build any kind of noticeable size or muscle mass. Any tips? Okay, so it sounds to me like you are a classic ectomorph, and I don't love referring to the three somatotypes because I think it's all—it's kind of like when you refer to metabolism, and like different people have different, you know, metabolisms and. People think it's this like almost phantom fate, this card that they've been dealt with in a box that they're stuck in forever no matter what they do. And it's just not true. The somatotypes, just so we're clear, are ectomorph, which tend to be, think, you know, classic model, long, lean, thin. Mesomorph or mesomorph, everyone says it differently. Classic me, probably saying it wrong. These are people who find it quite easy to gain muscle, but also quite easy to gain fat. They kind of sit somewhere in this kind of interesting zone. That's definitely me. And then endomorphs, who are people who tend to gain fat quickly and carry it easily. And these body types, they're merely generalizations that help professionals like me and others have a very initial and rudimental idea of a client's genetic makeup. And by genetic makeup, I mean the skeletal structure and genetically predetermined to an extent body composition. Kind of like you know when you see little kids that look like they lift weights? I don't know if any of you know what I'm talking about. If any of you have friends with kids, I certainly do, who look like little weightlifters. It's bizarre. Or, you know, you see 12-year-old girls who already look like six-foot runway models, and it's bizarre. Or, you know, middle-aged women who swear to God, they have tried every diet and exercise plan under the sun, and, and not for a few days at a time, but genuinely for months at a time, on multiple occasions, and they just 
don't get anywhere or certainly don't get anywhere fast enough to incentivize them to continue. These are all kind of varying degrees of the somatotypes. But are they boxed into that group forevermore, no matter what they do? No, absolutely not. They're just genetically of a kind of body type. So, okay, back to your question. Ectomorphs are what the bodybuilding community refer to as hard gainers. What this means is that we have to throw everything but the kitchen sink at the goal, everything on crack at the goal. (laughs) And you have to be prepared to be patient as hell because it's going to take time. However, you know, I think a lot of people will hear that, especially young men will hear that and and they'll think, God, and age, by the way, does play a role in this. You know, you're going to find it harder to really keep on that that muscle the younger that you are because you're still growing. Anyway, we'll get to that in a second. But I think a lot of people, especially young men, will hear what I just said and be like, oh my God, this sucks. Like, why me? I really want muscle. I really, you know. But, you know, don't forget that this is all about perspective. There's a whole other side of our physique community who consider you guys the lucky ones because not only are you going to get in fucking fantastic physique shape with a shit ton of calories and zero cardio, you're going to be able to maintain that great shape on loads of calories and zero cardio. And most people, myself included, cannot say that. And this is why also I hate it when people in my industry deny their genetics. I get it. I do get it. I do get it. They work really hard in the gym and they're really consistent with their diet and they totally deserve the recognition of all that hard work and dedication and passion for what they do. And I also understand they need clients and they don't want to admit that the clients might have to work harder than they do because then it makes them slightly unrelatable no matter how good of a coach they are. And I actually don't think it does, to be honest. I like it when, you know, people in in my industry say, look, I work my tits off in the gym and with my diet, but also my genetics contribute to my muscle mass, my lean body type, the ease of the process for me. But that does not mean I can't help you. I would rather hear them say that, but genetics do play a role in how easy or hard you find it and how long or or short it takes you and how easy or hard it is for you to maintain. Anyway, again, back to what you specifically need to do, Ems. So if I was your coach, I would probably have you in the gym four to five days a week. I would probably, with four to five days a week, I'd probably have you doing push-pull leg days, but I would have the legs programmed in to said push-pull days. So for example, hamstrings would be on pull days, quads and glutes would be on push days. And basically I could have you doing either four of those sessions a week and you wouldn't struggle with recovery. Or maybe I would do, I would take one session and separate the legs and then have you doing five sessions a week. So four to five sessions a week, really kind of, making sure that we program with recovery in mind. I would have you lifting as heavy as possible in an initial volume range of say three sets of eight reps. And then I would probably want to start to play around with this and increase this over time. But beginners don't need like crazy kind of volume programming. You just don't need it. You just need to get in the gym and you need to lift. If you, if, I suppose I'm presuming now that you're a beginner, but you don't need to be going mad with volume unless you're quite advanced or certainly at intermediate level. I would definitely start you on a high calorie intake. Again, you're a female. Let's say you're one of my clients. You would, what I would class as a hard gainer. Maybe I'd start you at about that 2,500 calories a day mark. And I, I do mean a day. I wouldn't want you doing it as a weekly average. I'd want you hitting that every day. And making sure that you're getting at least 30 grams of protein with your daily meals every three to four hours. I mean, this is what I mean about throwing everything but the kitchen sink at it. You just don't want to leave any stone unturned. 
because you know you're working hard so you may as well be working hard with the intent to to get there i would have you on a minimum of 120 grams of protein per day anywhere up to 150 i'd be happy with and i would be encouraging you not to give up every step of the way because you would really have to give it your all and be very very patient okay question four jen hi i love the podcast guys i'm just gonna slide in here and say i'm disappointed that you guys didn't all start like this because you know I just don't see why I should be giving you an answer if you're not giving me a compliment. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but Jen, that was really appreciated. Thanks. Okay. Should you cut before entering a building phase for better results? Okay, so I am amazed that this is still a protocol that so many PTs and clients, but I suppose, you know, the latter don't really know about it. The former should. Even like professional coaches at the highest level adopt this strategy and it makes no sense and let me explain why when it comes to a building phase you want to make sure that you are adequately fueling muscle hypertrophy to occur it is a costly process and you pay for it in calories and protein and of course making sure that the stimulus is on the muscle in terms of resistance training and total volume per week so it makes no sense whatsoever to cut before doing this because essentially you're just adding time onto an already very time costly phase. Add to that, if you have body fat to lose, that's essentially stored calories. That's all body fat is, guys. It's just stored energy. You can go into a building phase at maintenance or even potentially at the high end of a, of a deficit for you and expect to both lose body fat as you gain some muscle mass. Now, this is obviously gonna be kind of like a very kind of temporary period of time where this can happen, but that it, it can happen, it will happen, it happens all the time. And when it starts to take effect after a few weeks or you know, maybe if you have a lot of body fat to lose, it might take a few months and you start to notice that you're getting leaner or you know, your coach starts to let, notice that you're getting leaner. This is when it's actually time to start to gradually and incrementally up those calories. Because remember, the goal is to build and you need to be fueling your body to build. You know, lean tissue doesn't just kind of materialize out of thin air. You know, you you have to feed that response to occur in your body. And once your body fat starts to come down, you need to be making sure that you're getting that energy, those, those calories coming in from elsewhere. Now, all that being said, if you're already somewhat lean, then you absolutely do need to start a building phase at least a little above maintenance. And it doesn't have to be a lot. I think my maintenance is around 2,100. So maybe I would start at 2,200. Again, you're, you don't, you're not going to see your weight go up every week or every fortnight. It's even more unquantifiable than fat loss. Yay. But you do want to see every month or so your weight incrementally increasing. By how much will really depend on your training age. So if you're a lot newer to training, you can probably expect your weight to be going up, let's say like a pound, pound and a half every few weeks or every month or so. If you're kind of intermediate level, you're talking like, you know, half pound a pound if you're talking advanced you're lucky if you're even going to get half a pound it also depends as i keep saying it really a lot of these questions depend on your start point okay question five let's get to sarah what is the optimal protein carb and fat percentage split to build muscle mass okay i get this so often so I, as a coach, I don't work on percentages. I work on grams of macronutrients per kg of lean body mass. 
So I'll explain what that means, but just quickly, you can definitely get your tracker, let's just say if it's my fitness pal, around about these grams just by fiddling with the percentage splits. And it doesn't have to be bang on. You know, it just has to be a roundabout. So I don't know if I tell you that I want you having 120 grams of protein and you can get up to 117 or 132, either or, I don't care, but you're getting it around about that ballpark. So if what I just said about grams of macros per kg of lean mass completely threw you and you're like, oh, there's no hope, listen to what I'm going to say anyway, because I will explain how I assign calories and macros to my clients. And then remember what I just said, you can kind of get your, your calorie and macro tracker around about the ballpark of what I'm saying. And that is good enough, I promise. For me as a coach, I work on the 2-1-1 split, uh, macro split, to bring me out at a client's BMR, basal metabolic rate, as in the amount of calories they need to eat a day just to basically function. So this means that I will have the client having two grams of protein per one kg of lean mass, one gram of fat per one kg of lean mass and one gram of carb per one kg of lean mass. And that will bring me out at their basal metabolic rate. Just to quickly jump in here, and I promise I'm going to explain that further so it makes sense. Lean mass just means your total body weight minus the body fat percentage, your body fat percentage. So if you don't know this, which most people don't, just go on your realistic goal weight. For most women, depending on their height and genetic body shape, including any body recomp that they've already done, it typically will be somewhere in a 50 to 70 kg range. And it really depends on a lot of things. I have clients who are lean at 70 kgs and I have clients who are lean at 50 kgs and clients who are lean female, I should say clients who are lean everywhere in between. And that's, you know, something to consider. I'll just go on myself. When I'm carrying more weight, you know, body fat, I tend to hover around 64 to 65 kgs. When I get leaner, I tend to hover around 59 to 60 kgs. So I use a BMR calculation for myself at 60 kilograms, me being my lean mass, which would mean that I then have 120 grams of protein, 60 grams of fat, 60 grams of carbs, which is a total of 1,260 calories for me. So that's, guys, just again, to clarify that, the 2-1-1 macro split, two grams of protein, one gram of fat, one gram of carb per one kg of lean mass. Now to factor in how active you are to bring you up to your TDEE, you have to multiply your BMR calories by a number. So if you're sedentary, that you times it by 1.2. If you're active, it's 1.55. If you're very active, it's 1.725. I'm active. I'm in the middle. So that means for me, my total daily energy expenditure is now brought up to 1,953 calories. Again, guys, ballparks are fine. You just, I don't care about the 53. Let's just say for argument's sake, 1,900 calories is my TDEE, aka my maintenance. TDEE, total daily energy expenditure, essentially means this is the total amount of calories that I burn in a day. This is what I now need to consume via food to maintain my current body shape. So again, just for argument's sake, we'll say 1900 calories, okay? I'm really not pedantic about macros or calories. I just like to have ballpark ideas. So 1900 is now my maintenance. If I wanna lose, I'll start by deducting 10%. So for example, normally I will start my fat loss phase at about 1700 calories. Again, ballpark numbers, guys. If I wanna maintain, I'll hit that 1900. And if I wanna gain, I would plus 10%, which would put me 
in that kind of 2100 calories range. So that's how I do it. Two one-one macro split per one kg of lean mass to bring you out at your BMR. You then need to multiply that number by a certain amount to get your total daily energy expenditure. And that, guys, is your maintenance. Once you have your maintenance, you can deduct 10% and go into a deficit, or you can add 10% and go into a gaining phase. But then I'll tell you what, from that point on, it's all trial and error. Once you have that start point, you never want to go back to that calculation again. You should never, ever, ever have to go back to that calculation again. I never recalculate my own or my client's macros or calories after that initial point. Because from that point on, we start to collect data. We start to see what your weight is doing. You know, the, the scales you're going to peak and trough and swing around about every single day. But what you want to be looking for is a monthly trend down. A monthly kind of stability or a monthly trend up, depending on the goal. And once you have that, you know, am I in a deficit? No, I haven't lost anything. You know, my weight's been fluctuating one to two kgs for the last month. Okay, well, we need to deduct another 10%. So, you know, then I would go down from 1700 to 1500. Or, you know, if the client is like, no, I've been lifting for like six weeks now and my weight's stable, you're not in a surplus, you know, or even losing. And that actually happens a lot as well. And then it's like, okay, well, let's add another 200 calories on and up we go. So really like everything I just said, I'm, I'm at pains to even answer that question because I want to be honest with you guys and tell you how I do it. But I also know that it, it's that's quite a specific thing to do. And I want to be very clear that I just go on ballparks, brackets, you know, all my clients will tell you, I'll be like, mm, hit 18 to 1900, you know, or anywhere between 120 to 130 grams of protein or anywhere between 40 to 50 grams of fat. Like, you don't need to be overly pedantic, um, is what I'm trying to say. Okay, we are closing in on half an hour and I've answered five questions. So I think what I'm going to do is I'll leave it there. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, if you found it helpful, if any of the answers or questions kind of struck a chord with you or helped you out, please slide into my DMs. Slide into my DMs with any negative feedback. We don't need to make that public. But if it's good feedback, feel free to tag me in a story, uh, tag me in a post, just let me know. Again, DM me, it's fine. Let me know. And if, if you guys liked it, I'll do another follow-up episode. And if after that one, you like that one, I'll do another one. But next week, we have another guest. Um, a guest that's very popular with you all. So I'm sure you'll enjoy. I just realized I ended last week's episode saying Merry Christmas and Happy New Year because it was, you know, contextual. But I mean, we've still got a few weeks, yeah. Maybe I'll just do it every week. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Bye guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.